Well, I am thrilled to be here. This is a very, very special day in the life of the table, and we've been here many Sundays, but this one is big, and we're so thrilled to be here today. Troy gave me a passage to speak about from 1 Peter. I know you've been going through 1 Peter in a series of messages that are helping you understand who you are as a church. And I've heard all of the sermons that Troy has preached so far in 1 Peter, and he always starts by saying, I love the church. (laughs) And I know that comes from his heart, and I know he's representing the heart of Jesus when he says, I love you, church. So I'm going to share with you the passage that uh, Troy named, 1 Peter 2, 11 and 12. The topic of the message is the church as a stranger in this world. So here's what Peter says. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and will give honor to God when he judges the world. Temporary residents... Foreigners, strangers, it's a weird name for a man, a pastor to call his church. But Peter says that that's it. When he wrote to the letters to the, excuse me, the congregations, this is where the smoke is bothering me, sorry. He started his letter by saying, To God's elect, strangers in the world scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Obviously, excuse me, his readers of this letter were residents in a particular place in the world. They had a home address, but somehow they were also strangers. So their true citizenship lay somewhere else. What does it mean to be a resident of one place? and at the same time be a stranger there. On July 28, 2016, a man by the name of Kizer Khan gave a speech to the Democratic National Convention. He's a Pakistani-American and a gold star dad who was invited to tell the story of his son who was killed attempting to stop a suicide attack at his army base in Iraq. During that speech, Mr. Khan spoke of his love for America. And he also spoke of his love for the Constitution. In fact, he pulled a copy of it out of his breast pocket, which was not a surprise to anyone who knew him because he always carries a copy of the Constitution in his pocket. He first read the Constitution as a young law student in Pakistan, and he was blown away by its contents. This is what he said after he read the Constitution of America. For the poor man, the immigrant the homeless veteran living under a bridge to be treated under the law the same as the rich man, the scion, the connected political appointee is the greatest privilege of being a United States citizen. It is what all people everywhere aspire to, the fundamental dignity of equality. When you live somewhere it doesn't exist, it's all you yearn for. Kizer Khan was a resident of, of Pakistan when he discovered that his heart's true home was in America. So he traveled to America with his family. That's because the American Constitution was good news to Kizer Khan. 
He hadn't known there was any place in the world where people would be treated with equality, and he wanted to go there. Those of us who come to Christ and receive the new life he has to offer are like Kizer Khan and his family. We are born into a fallen world, and we yearn for something better. We want to escape from the darkness we were born into. And when we hear the good news about salvation in Jesus Christ, we cling to that good news like Kieser Klein clings to his copy of the Constitution. We look forward to the new home with peace and freedom that is offered in Christ. Peter talks about this new home, this other place where we are citizens beyond this world that we live in. He says in 1 Peter 1, 3-6, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again. Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. And we have a priceless inheritance. An inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. The inheritance that we receive when we become children of God through Jesus Christ is priceless. From what, from, first, we know that we have an eternal destiny, pure and beyond the reach of change and decay, kept for us by God. But also notice that we have an inherited something for the life that we are living now. God has promised to protect us by his power until we see heaven. While we do the work that is part of this life, God protects us and gives us strength. This is part of our inheritance, and we should keep it in mind. Do you spend each day thinking about your citizenship in the kingdom of God? Are you growing in your knowledge of what is yours in Christ? Your love for Christ and his kingdom can only grow by taking time to learn about him from the scriptures. Mr. Khan has memorized the Constitution. It means so much to him. Do we have the same attitude toward the scriptures and the the knowledge we can gain of Christ? We should speak with him in prayer, and we should talk about him with other believers. Three very important components, scripture, prayer, and fellowship with each other. I have a friend whose family owns a big, beautiful cabin up at Lake Tahoe, and they also own a beautiful beach house up in the Mendocino Coast. Um, They have owned these places for decades, and they have tons of memories in them. I've had the privilege of visiting the house at Tahoe. There are photos and scrapbooks in every room, and when the family gets together there, they talk about old memories and make new ones. My friend can take off and go there anytime, and she often does. Um, But when she comes back to the Bay Area, she gets immersed again in her work and her big family and in paying the bills. So while she would like to be living there all the time, she keeps those places in the back of her mind knowing that she can go there, that she does belong there as well as here. So do you think about the beautiful inheritance that belongs to you as a believer? I'm not just talking about getting to heaven after you die. I'm talking about your home and the kingdom of Christ here on earth. Because you are a citizen of heaven, but you also belong to the loving community here on earth whose mission it is to bring hope and life to the world. Look around. 
This is your inheritance, these people with whom you are sharing life right now. You have people to listen to you, pray for you, and genuinely care about your welfare. You have purpose and direction and identity in Christ that tells you who you are. You're a stranger on earth, but you're really a citizen of the kingdom of God. You know, the Bible is the constitution of the kingdom of God. You should carry it next to your heart and read it regularly. You need to know what promises the king has made to you. And you need to know what your rights and benefits are as a citizen of the kingdom of God. You also need to study the Bible so you can avoid breaking the laws of the kingdom. This world we live in is full of temptations to sin. And Peter says in the passage we read a little a moment ago, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your souls. He urges us to avoid temptations. He says, don't go there. Run in the other direction. Fight a good fight and win against temptation. There is a tempt- there, not everything that wars against our souls is a big obvious sin. I don't think we have any murderers with us here today. But there are many other types of sin that uh, commit war against our souls. There's a temptation to be spiritually lazy, to think that it's not important to put time into reading the word or time into prayer. There's a temptation to um, skip fellowship, maybe not come to church on Sunday morning, maybe you know, skip that midweek meeting with, where you could be connecting with uh, your brothers and sisters in Christ. There's the temptation to keep our resources to ourselves and to say, my time is my own, my talent is mine to use, my treasure belongs to me, and not release it into the kingdom of God, maybe through the work of the table. The world offers a million reasons for us to neglect our spiritual growth. It calls us to success, wealth, and significance in ways that distract us from our spiritual war, our spiritual lives. Peter calls these siren songs worldly desires. And he tells us that they are at war with our souls. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 3.15, instead of giving in to those worldly desires, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. If Jesus is your Lord, you will make knowing him your highest priority. You will read his words, spend time in prayer, fellowship with your friends here at the table so you can grow together, and together you will strategize ways to bring light into the darkness of San Francisco. You will intentionally live in the kingdom and be an advocate for those who do not yet know about the kingdom. That's if Jesus is your Lord. Peter said... Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then, even if they accuse you of wrongdoing, they will see your honorable behavior and will give honor to God when he judges the world. The people of San Francisco don't understand why you live the way you do, why you run from temptations, why you pursue holiness. They may ridicule the Bible. They may dismiss your prayer life. They may wonder why you go to church or hang out with Christians. You're a stranger to them. But strangers are interesting, and you're going to attract a lot of attention. So get prepared for any questions that are going to come your way. Peter encourages you to be honest about your story. Tell the simple truth and continue to live by what you believe. The truth is, once you lived in darkness, and now you live in light. 
Once you felt unloved, but now you live in the love of God. Once you had no sense of direction, now you, have, you get up each morning knowing you have a reason to live. Once you didn't know how to give love, but now you have friends in Christ to love and go through life with. The simple story. That's all anybody needs to know. Life is not magically easier just because we belong to Christ. We are all going to face hard times. But in Him, we have help and hope. In Him, and among His people, we have support for our journey. Several years ago, a woman at our church gave a testimony. She is a highly intelligent woman who was very active and very, had a very productive life and then was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. For the last 25 years, she has been battling bravely to keep as much of her life as possible. And, uh, and she now, uh, is, her, life is, her, her life is reduced down to basically her home and the occasional going, times of going out. So they asked her to share her testimony of help, what helps her to persevere. And this is what she shared with us. She shared um, Hebrews, sorry, here it is. Okay, Hebrews uh, 12, verses 1 to 2. She said, this verse really, these verses really encouraged her. She said, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Our friend says that it comforts her to read that passage because she realizes that God knows she needs endurance to run her race. He already knew the path that was marked out for her, and he knew she would need endurance, and that encourages her. God knows it's hard to be a stranger in this world. <clears throat> it's hard to resist temptation. It takes work to grow as a believer. He sympathizes with our struggles, but he tells us to press on because his kingdom is the best place to be on earth, and heaven is the best destination after this life. He surrounds us with help, strength, and encouragement, especially when we're together. Don't you feel that here right now? So here is a final thought from Peter on this topic. This is what Peter would say if he could be here today with the commissioning of the table church. He would say, therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. Be holy because I am holy, says the Lord. And that is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. <laughs>